Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. Paris is underway. Rafa Nadal is back. Novak Djokovic trying to get to the number one spot. Roger Federer, 99th title in Basel, and Anderson Nishikori, and a good final in Vienna. We will get to all that uh, over the next, what I'm going to guess, let's see how close I am, about 27 minutes. I know you can see how close I am already. Um, and then also on-court coaching. Maybe I'll go quick on that because for some reason um, that discussion has been very prominent on social media recently. Uh, but I want to start with Paris. As I just said, Nadal is back. Uh, the situation is that it's basically a dead heat right now. If Nadal does better in Paris, actually, if Nadal does as well as Djokovic or better, he will remain number one in the world going into the ATP finals. And if Djokovic does better uh, under any circumstance, one round better, it do doesn't matter what round, Djokovic will take over as number one in the world. So, um... My position going into this tournament is that Djokovic is a very, very heavy favorite. Uh, I think the, the conditions in Paris are, are good for him. I always think Djokovic plays, uh, I think his game's great for indoor hardcourt, and I think he's at the top of his game right now. He would agree, by the way, that he is at the top of his game right now. He's not saying, you know, I, I, think, I, I think I can play even better than I'm at right now. He's saying... No, this I'm playing really well. Ever since the U.S. Open, uh, Djokovic has been on fire, so he's the clear favorite here. No way around it. What I've done here is I've compiled um, a power ranking, five names. Uh, and these five people, in my opinion, have the best chance, and I ranked them in order, to beat Novak Djokovic. But I actually think that this list is going to surprise you because this list is very unconventional. It's unconventional because of Federer's form, because of Nadal's form, and just because of what I think the nature of this time of year is. I think it's a strange time of year where players are probably thinking a lot about going home, thinking a lot about the offseason. And, you know, also I think that some of, some of the kind of dark horses on tour um, can make a leap at this time of year because maybe there's a little bit less pressure and they can try new things and they can play a little bit freer. To be honest, I don't know why. I don't really know. I know I just said reasons, but I don't know why this time of year is weird, but it tends to be. Uh, and last year, as I've mentioned, it was Jack Sock who, who won the Paris Masters. There's no chance he's doing that again. Although he does have a nice draw to get to the second round. Um, trying to think his draw. I think he, I think he faces Gaz K next, which is pretty favorable for him. He's 3-0 against Gaz K, and he's beaten him twice on indoor hard courts. Just a little nugget for you there. So let's get to this list. Before that, let's take a look at the thumbnail. It's Roger Federer, arms raised, just has just won his 99th career title in Basel. And we'll start with number five. And number five is Rafa Nadal. And I said this list is going to surprise you. You're probably surprised by how low Nadal is. He's really, really good at coming back from injury. It's something, I mean, he's probably the best at it. He comes back and, you know, we've seen him, him, him win titles after long hiatuses. I know like Rio a few years ago, he was out for, you know, maybe close to half a year. He comes back, wins Rio. Uh, he's very unique that way. But... 
to come back on an indoor hard court is just not ideal for for Nadal. I mean, he's he's it's this is his worst surface by far. And I just don't think if he played Novak right now with how well these those two these two guys know each other. Um I would just have trouble seeing Djokovic faltering to a Nadal on an indoor hard court when Rafa's probably not even revved up to 100%. It's hard to see something strange happening when these two guys are so used to each other and 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 know each other so well. It's the kind of scenario where it's hard, you know, I I don't think there's going to be that many surprises here where if you look at like the Wimbledon the Wimbledon final it was pretty easy to predict that this was going to be a close match just because of the form that they're on that that those two were on when it comes to a french open final over the over the years you know it's been pretty easy to favor nadal in roland garros finals against djokovic i mean it's just been kind of easy so in this case it's pretty easy to to say that djokovic would beat rafa if they played in paris just because of i just yeah, I, I've already said any, everything. So, um, number four, it's Roger Federer. Federer is not at the top of his game right now, and I wanna—I'll get more into it. Talking about his run in Basel, which was a uh, an up and down run where he had to fight really hard against opponents that he should beat much more easily um, in his home tournament on an indoor hard court. Uh, but he didn't. He had to kind of fight his way through a lot of matches. But the reality is, Roger Federer has not looked great since Wimbledon, since he lost at Wimbledon. It hasn't been a very good second half. It hasn't been a convincing second half. For a 37-year-old, it's been pretty good. But for a, a, a contender, a title contender, when it comes to beating a guy like Djokovic in form, when it comes to winning majors, he's not there right now. I don't think it's time to panic, as I'll get into, and I think he really needs this offseason. He needs to to go back to the lab. He needs to rethink his game. He needs to mentally reset. He needs to get a little bit fresher. Uh, I, I'm not seeing red flags at a Roger Federer's game. Like, I'm not... I don't think he's slow right now. I don't think... I don't think he, he's physically incapable of winning. I just think that his game is going in and out and in and out. And to me, that just spells fatigue. It spells a lack of confidence. And those are two things that the offseason can fix. Again, I'd just be really shocked if Federer upset Djokovic. If Djokovic is going to lose, I feel like it's to a guy he'll be a little bit more uncomfortable with, a little bit more of an unknown. Someone who can kind of bring more new things to the table that Djokovic hasn't seen. Djokovic is going to be so comfortable against Federer and Nadal right now. And he's going to feel really confident. He'd be on he'd he'd have a lot of swagger against those guys uh just in you know because He's the alpha at the moment. He's vying for that number one spot. And I just, this is a lot of a gut thing. I just don't feel Federer and Nadal beating Djokovic here. I think it's more likely that the next three guys could beat Novak Djokovic. And number three is Karen Hatchinoff. Um, Hatchy won Moscow when the conditions, are, you know, an, an indoor con conditions are great 
for serve. You don't. You never have to deal with the wind kind of affecting your ball toss. That's nice for Hatchinov. Um, the one thing I'll say is he likes a high bounce. Paris might be a lower bounce, but Hatchinov is in really good form right now. He's really confident, and he's got a really big game. And that's what it's going to take to to beat Novak. No one's going to grind him out. Uh, he, it's it's going to take a big game. And you'll see the next three guys I have on this list, they all have big games. Number two is Stefanos Tsitsipas, who, in my opinion, is hitting his backhand better than I've ever seen. He's accelerating. He's hitting it flatter. He's hitting it uh, heavier and more penetrating. And Djokovic is, uh, he's beaten Novak Djokovic, so he has that confidence going for him. He's got a big serve and a big forehand. And he can hold serve against Novak, probably. As long as he um, hits his forehand with as much sting. But when, when Djokovic beat, or when Tsitsipas beat Djokovic in Canada... I think the biggest thing was Djokovic would make a half-decent return and Tsitsipas's forehand would be so good that and so aggressive that it wouldn't matter that Djokovic hit a half-decent return. Tsitsipas would still start the point um, kind of dictating and with a leg up on the point. Novak's defense, I think, since then has improved um, and I think his defense is like sort of kind of pretty much at the peak of where of where it's ever been at the moment. And I know it's hard to reconcile that for people because it's been such a sudden kind of resurgence and jump back to peak Novak Djokovic. But um, the defense will be better um, in Paris than Tsitsipas had to deal with in Canada. Number one is Kevin Anderson. Coming off a title... Playing really, really well against uh, Kane Ishikori. And again, a guy who is not known for kind of get becoming, you know, kind of sizzling hot in a tennis match. When it comes to guys who, who we think about that can really, can really start feeling themselves and, and hit and playing some kind of redlining tennis. Gail Monfils, Fabio Fanini. Uh, Federer, certainly. Um, you know, who are some other guys with, with that, with that razzle-dazzle? You don't really think about Kevin Anderson. But Kevin Anderson will, will, will have matches and he'll go on streaks where this guy's a big hitter. This guy's an aggressive, a pretty aggressive baseliner. Sometimes he can be more aggressive or he should be more aggressive against the Nadals and the Djokovic's, and he's too passive against those guys. But this is a guy who hits really, really big, and he'll go a whole set and make two unforced errors. And he's got the big serve, which in the past hasn't bothered Djokovic, but remember, he just beat him in Chicago for uh, Laver Cup. And in that match, the serve was really effective against Djokovic. So number one and number two, Tsitsipas and Anderson, are two of the last guys to have beaten Novak. Uh, two guys with really big games, low margin, or not low margin games, but, but aggressive games that are suited for indoor hard courts where you can kind of thread the needle a little bit more, where you're going to hit a little bit cleaner. Number three, Karen Hatchinov, kind of similar deal there. 
And the reason Hachinov is number three is because I don't really like his tactics as much against Djokovic as I do with uh, Tsitsipas and Anderson. And then four and five are two guys who might be the better players compared to three, the three I have above them. I mean, Nadal and Federer, if, if Djokovic wasn't in the tournament, I might pick Federer to win Paris. I might pick Nadal to win Paris. Probably not, but maybe. But when it comes to beating Novak Djokovic, I think it's going to take someone who he's a little bit less comfortable with. Um, I'll say a notable admission is Marin Cilic. Just a quick check on, on Cilic's results, and he seems to do this at the end of the year, but um, I have it on the screen, but for audio, I'll read it out loud. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you haven't already. Um, and I'll put that link in the subscri uh, subscri subscription. Description. Chilich lost to Query in Davis Cup. He lost to Struff in Tokyo. He lost to Nicholas Yari in uh, or Yari rather in Shanghai, and he lost to Kopel in Basel. So that's why Chilich is not in the top five guys who can challenge Djokovic. He's been pretty bad recently. Okay, time to move on. I have espresso today. Mmm, delicious. Let's talk about these finals. Start with Federer. I don't know what Federer fans' expectations were coming into this tournament. But this was a struggling Roger Federer. This is a Roger Federer who has not shown his best stuff in the second half. So what did we expect here? Did we expect Roger Federer to come into Basel and sweep everyone and look super comfortable and, and win an easy title? I, I, I know that's not what I expected. The panic level was, a, was kind of... People were a little bit too surprised that Federer was struggling. I'll say that. What did I see? I saw his forehand once again being the main culprit, uh, the main shot that, that would abandon Federer when he was when when he was playing poorly in Basel and I saw a lot of good tennis and bad tennis within one match I didn't see like any steadiness out of Federer at least in his first three matches he fought through him he got through him Medvedev he played really really well against Medvedev's coming off a title uh he I don't think that I thought he was pressing way too much against Federer. He's playing too aggressively. He 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 felt a lot of pressure. I felt to make better balls than than he really needed to, and he didn't really trust his movement against Roger. But that was also kind of what Federer does to you for when 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 he has such a potent attack, you have guys not playing with enough margin and not trusting their defense and their movement enough. And that was Medvedev to me. And Federer played an, a, a really solid match against Medvedev. And then against Kopel. I know it's Marius Kopel. He's not the biggest name. He's not a top 10 player. He's not a top 20 player. But the guy had beaten Marin Cilic. He had just beaten Sasha Zverev. And he's got a hugely aggressive game. On an indoor hard court, a, a, a huge serve, a really big, aggressive, flat one-handed backhand, a forehand that he's able to to 
play really close to the lines when 